Hey guys, welcome to the No Fly List, where we talk about what it's like to be brown sugar in a world of white sugar. I'm Athir. And I'm Layla, and I made her say that. Yes, and today we're talking to comedian, writer, Twitter sensation, and my friend Nick Pappas, aka Pappiness. Oh, welcome, Nick. I'm so happy to be here. Does anybody actually call you Pappiness? No. It's just not. his Twitter handle, but I felt like I had to say it. I, I wish that. more people would, but nobody has. Did I even say your last name right? Pappas? Uh, it's like a long A, so Pap-ass. 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 Uh, Pap-ass. Pap would be closer to Pap that ass. Pap that. <laughs> oh, that should be. Oh, yeah. Pap that. That should have been your Twitter handle. Yeah. Can you go back and change that. it? Yeah. <laughs> can you just make I'll start six, a new one. Yeah. Just start a new fun. one. Get a new, like, 60,000 followers. <laughs> uh, how's everyone's week going? Is it? It's only Tuesday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like... <laughs> I don't know what it feels like. Every day just feels like a void. I feel like I've had an eventful week in only the last two days. Because of your dog's health? Well, my dog's health is not great, but I also won a case against Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I saw your tweet about that. No big deal. Tell us everything. What... Tell the listeners who haven't been keeping up, shame on you, (laughs) with what the lawsuit was about and what the updates were. So, last June, Donald Trump blocked me on Twitter, and I never would have thought about suing him, but a group reach out to me called the Knight Foundation mm-hmm. who protect oh the God. First Amendment. My, yeah, my project, I, wor- I work with the Knight Foundation. Do you really? Yeah, that's, that's great. So funny. Yeah. So their whole goal is to try and protect the First Amendment. So they reached out to me to be a part of this lawsuit. Okay. They were specifically looking for a comedian who was blocked because they were kind of getting a wide range of people who'd been blocked by the president. Uh, so I joined with seven other people who had been blocked oh. and we sued the president. And a year later, we won the case. Oh, my God. So well, congrats. Yes, seriously. As of yesterday, I was unblocked by the president. How does it feel? Eh, fine. <laughs> how <laughs> I, I didn't how really, did... I don't yeah. even understand, like, okay, why did he block you? And how many other people did he block? Just, like, tons or just the seven of you were the only ones that were on the lawsuit? So only seven were on the lawsuit, but he's blocked hundreds and hundreds of people. I didn't Ooh. even know you could... You sue for that. We were talking, well, yeah, we about were talking that. about how there's like no precedent for it. So like how. Well, that's why the Knight Foundation took it on, because what he's doing with his Twitter account is unprecedented when it comes to a president or any public figure. Yes. He definitely uses it as a public forum. He doesn't use the at POTUS account. He uses mm. his own personal account to yeah. make proclamations. He'll start tweets with I hereby decide to do this right um so they basically the judge said that this is a public forum and everyone has a right to be a part of a public forum okay so that that was my question like i didn't understand like what basis like that and he just blocked you why because he didn't like what you were saying about him yeah that was basically it he blocked the people who i think were the strongest voices against him on his twitter page i see um so he'll keep people on who are still against him but they'll be yelling obscenities at him so there'll be things that make them look bad i see but you did it in a smart way i I read your twitter account i love it and at least yeah you probably said it in a way that was way more articulate and eloquent than just like you're a piece of shit yeah so when I was blocked, they had just uh, struck down his Muslim ban at that time. Oh. So he was rallying against the courts, and he said, it's the court's job to protect us, and they're not protecting us. Mm-hmm. So I wrote back to him, Trump is right. 
Mm-hmm. It is the court's job to protect us. That's why they're protecting us from him. Oh, and that's when he blocked me. That that was the tweet. That was the tweet. Oh shit. Oh burn. burn. Sick burn. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the Twitter account. Oh my god. So he only unblocked you though from the seven people? Or he unblocked he... the seven people. But he's oh, blocked but you... he's blocked hundreds and hundreds of people, oh, okay. but he's only unblocked the people who are part the of the lawsuit. Because you're the only ones on the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Who else was there anybody else like high profile on the lawsuit? No, the other people on the lawsuit were regular citizens like me. There was a surgeon, there's an activist, there's uh, a veteran. So I I think they were specifically looking for people like that and not high profile people. Mm. I got it. And how long have you been like, you know, you're really active on Twitter and uh, how long have you been, you know, on the tw- on the Twitter game, I guess, <laughs> as the kids say, oh, my God, I have like three followers. Follow me, please. Oh. So I didn't really get into Twitter until after I got into the Late Night Writers Workshop. Um, what's your? Oh, that's uh, the NBC Late an Night NBC Writers. program okay. um, that's trying to promote diversity. Mm-hmm. And they looked at my Twitter account and they said, you need to get on Twitter if you want to mm-hmm. get some of these industry jobs because unfortunately they look at your your twitter account sometimes right right so that's when i just started to put more jokes on there because of their request no that's smart and i i wish i did more of that layla you've been getting like a lot better at that because i've tried because it's the same thing i'm a journalist and Mm -hmm. i am super like i hate twitter i think it's so stupid i think it's so useless please follow me anyway but like honestly (laughs) same and yeah I was for the longest time I was just like barely doing anything and then on job applications they'll ask for your social media handles now Mm -hmm. and they want you to have like this really large organic reach so I I only recently like crossed into a thousand followers and that took like a ton of work but I'm constantly like not I don't know if you I guess in comedy it's a little different so I don't know if you guys um, go through this at all, but I never know when I'm getting too personal on Twitter. Like, I, I, like, I don't know if I should be like in character as like a hardcore journalist or I get way more hits when I just say stupid shit or something uh-huh. that's like kind mm. of funny or like trying to burn someone else on Twitter, <laughs> but that's not at yeah, all. Yeah. I don't what... appreciate that by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always insulting a and the rest of my family mm-hmm. constantly on Twitter. Oh yeah. No, we're related. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're related. Well, I think the people who are the best at Twitter are the same. <laughs> <laughs> the same kind of people who are great at comedy is if they can have something that is very specific. Yeah. If it's yeah. Not just saying a bunch of general things. Like it's something that you need a when you read that tweet, view. you're like that. That's a theor who wrote that. Yeah. I can tell like that's her voice. Yeah. Um, no. And I wish I were more active on it. It just it does take a lot of work and I find it a little frustrating and it, it is hard to get followers and you have to engage and it's just. You know, with comedy, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, and with journalism, like, like you're always having to promote yourself in a million yeah. and one ways. Like, you're writing, you're on, you know, for us, like, you might be on stage or mm-hmm. submitting, like, writing packets and whatever. It just feels like there's so much going on. Like, how do you keep up with it? And you have a day job. <laughs> well, it's, it's just like anything else. I think that if you just keep doing it, same with going out and doing stand-up. There's a tipping point. Mm-hmm. So it just feels awful and it feels awful. And then suddenly you do something and it it starts to compound on itself. Yeah. So when I initially had gotten blocked, I think I had 12,000 followers. Yeah. And since then in a year it's grown to over 60,000. I hear like, 
you know, once you start getting gaining more followers, it becomes easier to get more followers. Yeah, right? it just compounds on itself. Exposure also, mm -hmm. and people like tag you and stuff or respond or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I feel so like I remember when my like first roommate like told me about Twitter, and I was like, this sounds stupid. This will go nowhere, uh -huh. and I should have gotten it on there then. It was like yeah. ten years ago. Well, I remember the old days of Twitter when you would tweet by sending them a text message. Really? Those were like the first. That was like the first few years of Twitter. Were you oh an early God. adopter? Yeah, I was there from the very beginning, but I never used it. I yeah. see. So I, I've had my handle forever, um, but I, I didn't really start getting into it until like the last couple of years. And are you a pappy person? Do you live up to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing is like, I don't think I'm like laugh out loud happy all the time. I, but. It's funny. So Nick and I are both writers on Passport Control and The Breakdown with Mehdi Barakshian. Shout out, Mehdi. We're going to have him on the podcast. <laughs> but I feel like this is the most that we've talked, like, not about, like, scripts or stuff. Right. So it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh, I don't really know a whole lot about you. I know because, you know, the show is also talking about, like, brown issues. And I, I know you're Greek and Filipino. Is mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. so which side? Oh, Layla's also half Greek. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Awesome. I can see it. Thanks. I can see it in you too. All right. Thank I you. Feel Maybe we're out. related too. Maybe I'm related oh, to yeah. everybody in this room. That would be really weird. Mm -hmm. I feel like your long lost Greek cousin. <laughs> Wait, I'm guessing your dad's side since your last name is Greek. Right? Yes. I just found out recently that I am a quarter on my mom's side, native Hawaiian, because really? she did the 23andMe thing. Oh, man. I didn't want to do it. I'm kind of scared. To I see. really want to do it, mostly because I want to know how inbred I am. Uh -huh. And secondly... <laughs> I already know how inbred I am, so I don't need <laughs> I to... I mean, the answer is probably, like, pretty, Very, pretty, pretty inbred. Yeah, the Arab side but. is pretty <laughs> heavy, heavily, heavily, in, heavily into cousin marriage. But, um, <laughs> but I, people keep saying they don't want to do it because then, like, the government can access your DNA. But I'm pretty sure the government can already access anything that they want, so I'm not too concerned Pretty sure about they're listening that. to I mean, this as podcast. long as you're not the Golden State Killer, you know? Yeah. Ooh, yeah, they already caught him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, we always joke this is like a hot mic situation. It's going to be another like Robert Durst, like confessional. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what, what language do you leave, uh, speak any other languages? Besides? I don't. I'm, ter I'm a terrible <gasps> Greek. I'm a terrible Filipino. That's I only speak English. That makes me feel better. Like, I'm glad we met. Yeah, because I, I do speak Greek, but I don't speak Arabic, mm -hmm. which is weird because Arabic is much more relevant to my career and also to like my family life. Yeah. So it's weird. And I always felt like a bad person, but it's really my parents fault. And blame them. There's a the blame. Yeah. No, I, I blame my parents for most things. Yeah. yeah. I think um, any any uh, bad therapist would agree that everything is your parents' <laughs> fault. <laughs> um, but I find that my friends who are, you know, kind of like from mixed heritages, that they speak neither language because their parents speak to each other in English. Yeah. Therefore, they speak to you in English, too. It just becomes kind of natural. So I don't know. Did I assume your parents just spoke English to you also? So I knew my great-grandmother and my grandfather, and they both spoke Greek. And my dad never spoke Greek. And the oh, reason okay. he didn't is because they would just be mean to each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Like my great grandmother was Aww. a very mean person. So like my dad's way of rebelling is like, I'm not going to learn That's Greek. That's so typical Greek. Um, really? So is he's it? like... Yeah. Is your grandmother mean? Yeah. I mean, all my grandparents are dead, but uh, but my mom is Greek-Greek. Like she is like not good at English. Mm -hmm. um, but she also... But you also lived there. Me. It's different. Yeah, like, that's Layla, true. You lived in Greece. But it, I, so. it is like it's so ingrained in the culture kind of to be a little bit 
um, I guess sassy. Like, <laughs> sassy. Yeah, sassy is the nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Sassiness at you sassiness. S- yeah, <laughs> you say something bitchy to somebody, but then you're like, let's get dinner. You know, I love My great grandmother was like very much a stereotype. After my great grandfather died, she only wore black for the rest of her yeah. life. Oh and- my God. Is it really like my big fat Greek wedding? Because I feel like my mom loves so. that movie because she's like, they're just like us. Yeah. <laughs> every, every different type of ethnic person I've ever met loves that movie because they feel like they relate to it a lot. It's so universal. It Food is, it, and that's It wasn't super relatable family. to my family just because we have no family in the U.S. besides like my parents. And like even Ethereum families, like we're like really, really distantly related. So it's not that kind of like like family vibe that you have but mm-hmm. like yeah i didn't have like we had nobody in the states so i didn't have like my grandma here i didn't have cousins here i mean they were overseas and they but they're not weird where they're from you know like I think it's an, weird here an easy way to say that is it's not <laughs> it's not like a greek family it's a greek american family yeah yeah you know? yeah exactly. yes okay that makes sense so your family's like greek american basically yeah yeah where did you grow up i grew up in salt lake city utah oh man how was so, that Awful. Yeah. <laughs> what was awful about here. it? Are the rumors well, true? I would say that what rumors? I don't know. All the rumors about. All I hear it's beautiful. I don't know. Yes. And I guess if you're not. What everybody says is you it's can't beautiful drink and everybody's nice. Yeah. And, um, I think people are nice to your face, uh, but like secretly they are judging you. That's how like, it is in Alabama. I would say, mm-hmm. or in the South and the Bible Belt in general. Like, yeah. did you experience any kind of like racism growing up there? Did people at, like try to figure out where you were from? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's 95% white and it's 95% Mormon. So mm-hmm. if you're not Mormon, you just are not part of mm-hmm. the in-group basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like people who grow up in that situation are the most tolerant people. Because they know what it's like to, to have to outsider. deal with intolerance yeah. their whole life, you know. Yeah. So like you in the South, like you had to deal with that. Except I'm the most racist, hate, <laughs> hateful person. No. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> I know. I yeah. You you definitely become more sensitive to that. Like, where did people think you were from? I would say the majority would say I was Latino. So that would oh, be same. That's all they, they know. It's like black, white, or Latino. They're like, well, they're, he's not white. He's not black. And yeah. That was my opening joke for a while. I would just say, I'm Greek and Filipino, which to most people means I'm Latino. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Did people, did they, I don't know what sort of, because for us, or at least for me, like in school, people would always ask if my dad knew Osama bin Laden or if they were training us to be terrorists. What were the types of yeah, stereotypes? Did your dad know speech? Osama bin Laden, uh, Nick? <laughs> um, well, my dad and Osama, uh, they used to play pool together. So we have a running thing. Lele is not yeah. allowed to bring up Osama or 9-11. No, so. I'm only not allowed to bring up 9-11. Okay. Osama was never on the no-fly the list. The no-fly <laughs> list. He's not on our no-fly list. I My journalism career is tightly hinged around the war on terror and therefore 9-11 mm-hmm. um, ding ding I, ding yeah. be well I have to explain okay. to him why I'm why 9-11 is on my no-fly list <laughs> of uh-huh. speaking so as a result I bring it up too much and our past few episodes um, I just brought it up way too much so it should be a drinking game yeah, so she's we, like we, the Rudy Giuliani of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> honestly or yeah or like the campaign Trump of, of this podcast so uh-huh. I can't yeah I'm not allowed to talk about it and if I do I have to do a shot or, I don't know, some other 
Punishment. So when it comes to 9-11, you just need to forget it. Right? <laughs> just like the slogans. I'm not, I'm not going to fall into y'all's traps. <laughs> um, so, Nick, what do you tell people that you're Greek and Filipino? Or when you told them in Salt Lake City, what did they say to that? What was their response? Uh, I would say the main response was like, oh, I love Greek food. Like that would yeah. be their, their thing. They don't think of Filipino as anything. Um, they think of uh, Filipino as Pacific Islander. Oh. Um, and Utah has a lot of Samoans and Tongans who come over oh. um, to be part of the that. Mormon church. But the main reason they recruit them to come over is so they'll play football. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Brigham um, Young? Yeah. And... So BYU is like big into football and they will literally uh, have people join the Mormon church just so they can have better Holy football players. Shit. Oh, my God. So yeah. it's not really about religion. <laughs> Well, re- football yeah. is a religion. I, th- it is in the South or in Alabama. No, not to me. But you said that like it was like very important to you. No, like, I mean that's is the attitude there, religion. and mm-hmm. I hate football. Sorry, yeah. people. Like, I mean, everyone in the South is just they bombard you with it. It's their whole life. It, they like dress up to go to football games. At least like when I was in college, I didn't go to college in Alabama, but I remember seeing pictures of people I knew from high school at Auburn and Bama. And they would like wear fancy dresses to go to football games, yeah. and mm-hmm. like, like it was like their Kentucky Derby. Did which you is a do whole that, different Nick? <laughs> I never did that, but I had a friend who's a huge Oklahoma fan, and he taught me like the Oklahoma theme song. I don't know, it's With, like, like Boomer the Sooners. Cheer or this chant or what? I don't know what. So the chant for Oklahoma is kind of a a weird chant. Is it it's super like racist? I'm a no. I'm a Sooner born and a Sooner bred, and when I die, I'll be a Sooner dead. And oh, I'm like, that's, a, that's kind that's of morbid. Really morbid. I know anyway. my fight song from college, and it's awesome, and I'm not ashamed. What okay, is it? Go for it. It's called Hail to the Victors. I can't sing it. Oh, I thought you were going to sing it. I mean, I can. I don't want to. Sing it. No, it's embarrassing. Is it like, hail to, to the, the victors, <laughs> hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the leaders, and Beth. I mean, it's pretty. I, I don't, do not remember mine. Isn't it sexy and like... I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. <laughs> Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Utah. Okay, what did you study? I studied journalism. Uh, oh, so you guys are like the same person. We literally are the same person. Maybe no. I'm actually half Filipino. <laughs> I was a journalist for a while, uh, but then I was laid off from the Salt Lake Tribune. I was laid off also mm-hmm. twice, except once was regular fired. That's journalism. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I actually have a stat about this. Really? I'm going to look it Please up. Please Yeah, because I'm really down on my life. I have no idea. I'm, I'm I... thinking about tweeting this out because they're always talking about how many coal jobs have been lost. So I looked it up. Wait, are there more journalism jobs lost oh, than coal jobs? Hell yes. Wait, yes. should we... Is, is there something we can do with this information? Can we start a movement? Maybe. <laughs> um, a movement people, for journalists? Yeah, the only people I know who are gainfully employed in journalism are hardcore, like, Trump stalkers. All they do is talk about Trump. All they mm-hmm. do is write about Trump. And that's it. Like, their, their career is completely... Like, it blew up because of him. Mm-hmm. And it's only sustained by him. Here's the stat for all the listeners so you can always remember. Oh, okay. Since 2001, America has lost around 24,000 coal jobs. In that same amount of time, we've lost 238,000 jobs in journalism. Oh, my God. Seriously. Oh. So what's so, Trump going to do about that? What's, what's <laughs> Trump going to do about journalism jobs? You he, know, doesn't, he doesn't like you guys. I have more in common with someone who's lost their job in coal than Donald Trump does. That's you know? very true. Although he wow. should lose his job. He should lose his job. For sure. So how did you get into... You do graphic design, though, now, right? I or, do. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
do you like to, how did you get into that from just those? through uh, mass communication as well mm-hmm. so I, I had a double major in economics and mass communication wow. and I got into graphic design through taking classes there but also I designed games for a game company I have oh my god um, I and that's that. where I learned most of my my graphic what kind design of games? skills they're card games so, oh yeah, we talked yeah. about this. We both have card games. I oh need to God. play your card you game. You have so much in common. Maybe with the me women and Nick are the same room. person. <laughs> if you two were combined, it would be me. That's so. That's weird. why we brought you on. <laughs> one Ethereum plus one Lele equals one Nick. I need. I need to to try your game too. Yeah, it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Like honestly. Yeah, I I think it's we made it so that I mean even though it is about middle eastern brown arab stuff i guess i mean any it's kind of like my big fat greek wedding mm-hmm. like if it the themes are universal so you, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to know the culture that well to and understand it's really it. funny for journalists because that's i've only ever played it with non-arab like besides when i've played it with ethere and like our relatives i've only ever played it with uh journalists and they love it because mm-hmm. They, they know make the those issues. jokes among themselves when uh-huh. there are no Arabs around. <laughs> They're like, now it's okay. When they get all the references. <laughs> now yeah. it's when they okay. get the references. So what's your game about? Uh, it There's a few different versions of it, but it, it's a party game where you're matching up words. Okay. Um, but you're basically yelling insults at each other. How so, do you give us an example? So an example would be when you match up a word, let's say you have the word, um, I'm trying to think of, yeah, like you have the word motherfucker on your card okay. and then the card in the middle also has the word motherfucker. You can match it up and then you yell mo- motherfucker. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. That's kind of like, uh, what is that? I don't know. Go fish. No. <laughs> what, like, <laughs> like, um, apples to apples. There's no, a game that's, that's similar called spot it. Of and um, so if anyone's ever played spot it, it's kind of like that. I have not. I actually haven't played a lot of like card games recent or games in general, yeah, I but they're a lot of fun. I've, you haven't played any games? Any board games. Any board games. I mean, I used to play like Monopoly with my family. Really? And, yeah, but oh it got too heated in the Yakub household. Do you know too- that <laughs> the same thing happened in the royal family's household? Oh, what? Like the Queen of England. and What, they were playing Monopoly? Family, they, 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 they don't fought play Monopoly over- because they fight over it. What? I yeah. recently started watching The Crown, and now I look oh up God, all these weird facts. Everyone's obsessed with that. It's so boring. It is so boring. Everyone says that, and yet they keep binge watching it. What, do you watch it? I've it's, never seen it. It's no. fa- like you're fancy when you watch it. She's like, it's like oh, when's the house? <laughs> is it kind of like Downton Abbey? Because I only I'm, got a little bit into that, and then I got bored. I never watched Downton Abbey. I want to say it's a little bit more entertaining because it's real. It's real things that happened. So. What I find interesting about it is that there's some event or there's some Winston Churchill thing, and I hate Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. So I love any reason to hate him further. And burn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You didn't really burn him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just want to knock. Anybody. I hate him politically. I guess I don't. I heard he was also a bad person. Anyway, so it just like real things in history happen. So if you're like a history nerd, it is super interesting because then you're like, oh, was that thing real? And it almost always is. And then you can read about it and. You can see how bad England is. Or you could read place. like a history book and be like, spoiler alert, and tell people <laughs> oh, what's yeah. going to happen. I mean, I'm so bad at history that anything is a spoiler alert, really. Like, I <laughs> probably would not know basic facts because I, it's weird because I, I lived in Palestine a little while. And so we learned, I don't remember what we learned. It's like we had to learn American history and what? like British history and God knows what. Because we were on like the British system 
I've, I don't know. I've, there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge. Yeah, me too. I'm great with math and thing. science. Yeah. We were like ahead in Palestine than we were in Alabama. No surprise there. But mm-hmm. with like other stuff like geography and like, grammar. Grammar, no, we had a good grammar grammar? teacher in Palestine. Mm. I had a Um, terrible grammar teacher in Greece. It was because all of the other kids were like ESL or like didn't, because we went to international school too. And like, they just couldn't, they couldn't read anything because nobody could. Your teachers? No, the students. Oh, (laughs) I was like, no wonder. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I never learned grammar. But we I don't think we did American history because I feel like there are these huge gaps in my knowledge of... I mean, everything. Of everything. <laughs> well, like, history in Utah is very watered down. So we did, even when we do American history, it's, like, a, they just a watered-down version anything. of American history, you know? Why is that? They just, like, write whatever they want. I, I think they just want to cover history from the Mormon perspective, even in public schools in Utah. Oh, so. man, I didn't even think about it. Aren't there, any, like, standard... But wait, is it a private school or a public school? Because I thought you, if it was a public school, they have to abide by certain um, state, right? Or not even state regulations, but I guess uh, across the board think, government yeah, there regulations. there are, but I think they're very modest. Like mm-hmm. what, uh, like, because they also have, what is the thing, Common Common, common core. core? Yeah, which. But Common Core wasn't around. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, maybe No Child Left Behind, was that it? Maybe. There, there were a bunch, there's a bunch of legislation. Never forget, is that one? <laughs> that <laughs> stop, stop. Stop I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I never bring it up. If I'm not allowed <laughs> no. to talk about it, nobody's allowed to talk about it. No, um, uh, U.S. education his- history has a lot of legislation that seems like it's aimed to help students who come from lower-income families, but it ends up actually just not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and they the education system does not help lower-income families at all. So it's just like... I'm not surprised that, like, obviously it would be even... They kind of rewrote their own history. I don't know. I thought living in Alabama, though, was kind of stricter with their regulations. But, I mean, Mormonism, I guess, like, they're, you know, a whole whole other level. Also because it's, like, instilled in the society and the government. I mean, same with the South. But, like, for example, I know this is such a probably cliche, stupid question. But, like, having caffeine or drinking, it's, like, hard Mm -hmm. to find, like, So I would think about it this way, that most of the teachers in Utah are probably also Mormon. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the the school itself is trying to teach uh, a Mormon idea of history. It's just people naturally gravitate towards what they know. Mm -hmm. And our teachers were Mormon, so they would, you know, teach Mormon history to the kids who are Mormon. Makes sense. Were you the only non-Mormon in your school? I would say that it's probably, you know... Five to ten percent not Mormon. Okay. Were you friends with just the non-Mormon kids? I unfortunately was probably friends more friends with the Mormon kids than the non-Mormon. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Do you keep in touch with any of them? Um, no, not really. I have one friend who's an ex-Mormon, um, and we bonded on the fact we both come from, I guess, really, really like religious backgrounds, but aren't you know really practicing. Um, but there, I, I heard like there's a, I, I don't know, there's a lot of Muslims, I think, living I, in uh, Utah because they don't drink and they kind of like follow some of the same religious values. Mm-hmm. So they feel kind of some sort of camaraderie. Um, my brother, actually, he's based in Alabama, but he works for a Mormon company. Really? And 
He's like, yeah, like he, I mean, he's more like not really practicing, but he has, I don't know, he doesn't like drink or anything. Well, this is actually a new development too. There's a lot more Muslims who have moved into Utah recently and they had a very good refugee program in Utah. Really? So they're getting more diversity that way. Interesting. Okay. They bring in refugees and they try to convert them to the Mormon to church. To Mormonism. The they're point. like, so we saved you from your country and being bombed. Uh, have you heard of, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about yeah, Mormonism besides like the Book of Mormon. I can't stereotype about it because I just don't know. Like, how Yeah, I'm like, where, is, where do I start? Yeah. The I way I would describe it in a nutshell is that Mormonism, Mormonism is the greatest business model in the world. Really? So it's a religion based on a multi-level marketing scheme. So it's like a pyramid scheme? It's or a, <laughs> basically. So all of the kids grow up. They go on a mission. They pay for their own mission. They have to pay for it? They pay for their own mission. I didn't know that. And then they recruit more people to the church. Uh, and th- those people have kids and they recruit more people to the church. Holy shit. And Mormons are all about having as many kids as possible because the more kids they have, the more... I feel like every every religion is about having as many kids yeah, as possible. Sure, sure. That's true. No religion is like only use birth control or I don't know. <laughs> no religion is like just have one kid or as many as you can afford and then stop. They're like, no. Well, is Judaism, do they push having more a lot I of kids? I think so because, well, I don't know about regular well, Judaism, but this, the Hasidic neighborhoods, they have tons of kids. Mm. And it's like some, crawling with um, children. Using birth control is not... Uh, what's it called prohibited yeah so it's but neither neither is abortion like and yeah and an abortion like in certain situations um is allowed it just isn't depends. it like up to 21 weeks because at 21 weeks that's when, when the, the soul, soul enters, bo- 40, enters your body is it 40 days or am i just making that up oh my god we I should learn I, my Islamic history. I thought it's 40 days is what's considered like when you when the um fetus becomes like a, a soul yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and but before that it's technically yeah but even if the woman were down the line pregnant and it were to affect her health or the health of the other baby mm-hmm. if it were life yeah it's not so taboo it's not as it taboo here. it's like more practical which i'm sure like something that surprises people because <laughs> they probably think like muslims are all like fanatical and crazy but you know there's some normal ones out there <laughs> the religion is not I fanatical there's just a lot of crazy people um, did you grow up with any religion? No, not at all. Just Mormon. Really? Uh, Just Mormon. <laughs> well, my mother was Catholic, but we never went to church. Okay. Uh, we would go to the Greek Orthodox Church every once in a while for like Greek Easter. Yeah. Um, but the Greek Orthodox churches in Utah, most of the sermon is in Greek, so I didn't understand it. I wish That's that fun. I had <laughs> gone to church more because all the kids would go to Greek school. They would learn Greek. Greek. Yeah. And uh, that would have been great to, to do, um, but... Otherwise, no. Like every Sunday, we would either see a movie or go bowling as a family. That, that sounds thing. awesome. Yeah. That sounds so. way better. That sounds more fun yeah. than Why church. Why would you want to go to school on Sunday when you can go bowling? Well, I'm not religious, but I'm a great bowler. And I've seen <laughs> a lot of movies. So. We bowled a lot in Alabama, too. There's really? nothing to do. I went bowling for like the first time like months ago, I feel like. Here in New York or in uh, LA? I, was it in New York? Yeah, it was in New York. It was in Williamsburg. Yeah, I've. 
I've been that there. Big I one. miss yeah. it. Bowling is expensive in New York. It's so expensive. Yeah. It's crazy. Everything is expensive and in it's New not, York. I feel like oh. I threw out my hip while I was doing it. Like it was, <laughs> I left like sore the next day. See, I get crazy competitive. That's why I don't like really? to go bowling for people's birthdays. They're like, it, like, it really makes me angry if I don't win. Are the, you a competitive person in general or yes. just in bowling? Okay. Yes. Okay. Just in bowling. Just, yeah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, since the great bowling incident of 2005, I haven't been able <laughs> to put on a pair of bowling shoes since I got banned from, it. no, uh, from pins, pins, pins. No, I don't know what our place was called. <laughs> I, I bet it's, I bet the Williamsburg one is called like bowling bird. Everything it's in Williamsburg called, uh, is called something bird. I, f- I uh. forget now what it's called, but no, I, last time I went for a birthday, I was like, this is not fun. Oh, and we went for work for an outing, and I was like, mm. great, now everyone's going to see me be a psycho. Except I'm really good at keeping it under control, so I can like seem like I'm having a good time, and but if I'm, not win- <laughs> if I'm not winning, I'm really angry and not having a good time. Mm. Wow, that's so funny. Which is why, I guess, uh, we can't play Monopoly in my household, because imagine <laughs> everyone is like me. It's pretty bad. Or pool. Like, we used to have a pool table. My you brothers used to have would a pool be. Table? Well, I didn't really play much. I wasn't good at it, but my brothers would be up all night, like, playing and would, like, I would hear, like, fights break out. Mm. We um, also had a pool table. You did? Yes. Yeah, that... my family's competitive as well. So. I guess that's, that's a good thing, I think. Aren't there good sides and bad sides of being competitive? Are you, like, a. Do you get, like, angry if you, if you lose? Or are, you, are you a sore loser? Or you just. Or you never lose, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone who's never lost, I don't know. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Let um, me know what it's like. <laughs> I think I was a sore loser when I was a kid. But I've, I, I feel like I've grown out of that. Like, I'm still very competitive, but. When I lose, I can lose should, graciously. Should we play a game of Monopoly right now? I think we should. So the rest well, of the podcast will be four. Just <laughs> we actually, we do have a game. And our game is called Keeping Up with the Caucasians. Ooh. <laughs> we, this is a segue. Segue. Oh, yeah. So we started this segment. The rules are pretty blurry. All right. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> it's called Keeping Up with the Caucasians. And we talk about things that white people do or enjoy mm-hmm. and whether we as brown people also do those things. And so, there's, um, there's no points, but we we're will all shame winners. you if you do any embarrassing <laughs> white right. people things. There are no wrong I'm answers. I'm going to be so sad when I do all of the white people no. things. Oh, my God. We'll figure out I how. got shamed for going to the... We were talking about uh, going camping, and the only two times I've really gone camping, one was for Coachella, which is the whitest way one can go camping. I also went to Coachella. Yeah. Oh my god, you and guys the are other, the same person. Stop. The other was uh, when I report at Guantanamo Bay, you stay in tents. So mm-hmm. it was like both the whitest and like least white ways you can go camping. I guess the least least white way you can go <laughs> camping is when you're forced into it as a refugee. And then maybe yeah. Guantanamo is a few notches below that. <laughs> <laughs> But you stayed, oh, you stayed in a tent in Guantanamo? Yeah, we, they said we you all, stayed in an apartment. Oh, no, no that what? was that I was wish. in Greece. Sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting your, because we were talking about oh, yeah, when we you were, were working with Syrian worked, refugees, yeah, yeah. I was asking if you stayed in tents. No, no, in Guantanamo, we stay in tents, but they're super nice. They're like military style tents. So they have AC, they have a little mini fridge. I actually really enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. It's better than my dorm <laughs> I'm going to have to come with you one day. We're going to do this podcast live. I think everybody should come. Um, anyway. So, okay. Keeping up with the Caucasians, you are... Our wonderful guest, Nick, you get to choose from these categories um, that we're still, it's a running list that we're Mm -hmm. putting together. So the categories are food slash beverage, pop culture slash TV, activities, style and clothes, and phrases or sayings. I feel like I might do all right in foods and beverages. There's no 
wrong answer. All right. We're not, we're not gonna like. We're not gonna stone you. Like Ooh. we're not that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not that stereotypical. Is that we okay. Okay. This one I think is something that irks me, and something Layla I saw you post about, which blew my mind because I. I know there are different variations of this food, but none as bad as the one I saw you post, oh. which was strawberry hummus. Um, so the question is different flavors of, of hummus, sir. And we don't mean, yeah, hummus. it's not like garlic or pepper. No, I Those mean like fine. black, mm-hmm. black, black bean, bean, cherry, guacamole. I saw pumpkins. Pumpkin hummus. Chocolate. Have you seen the chocolate no, one? No, no, stop. It's horrifying. But anyway. So hummus just shouldn't be sweet. Let's get that out of the way. It shouldn't be... have fruit. No. It shouldn't... it shouldn't have fruit. Yeah. It shouldn't have like, it shouldn't be, it's it's its own food. It's kind of like the the strawberry one that I saw too was also like white bean based, like not chickpea, not tahini based. Like navy mm-hmm. beans or whatever. Yeah. Beans. So it's, 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 it's not hum- like that food can exist. Fine. You can have your weird strawberry puree spread i don't know is it a dessert is it a it food hummus? just call it something just call it weird strawberry puree with beans that's true why are they just co-opting I, that word and that's using it for yeah everything? that's the problem anyway hummus is chickpeas tahini lemon juice and garlic and olive oil and, and olive oil and, and that's some it. salt maybe to, to to your taste no fruit okay that's, i'm that's glad you don't like that one wait um, no wait have you partaken ah. in strawberry chocolate vanilla whipped cream you're uh, under oath i remember. can honestly say i never have I've had like roasted red pepper. That's fine. Hummus. Okay. I mean, um, I buy. We'll allow it. I've yeah. I've bought like olive hummus from. That's like, fine. Whole those go together. But yeah, those no? go together. But it's weird. But like, like we wouldn't. You wouldn't do that if you were a purist. But that doesn't. That at least it's the same region. You know, the olive trees are growing next to the chickpea bushes. Fountain. <laughs> I don't know what. I actually have That's no how, idea how, how farming works. Grow. I like to think that if I went to a party and they had strawberry hummus, I would not try it. Like okay. It just the, yeah. the sound of it doesn't sound like it something just... I'd want to try. Also, yeah, I guess I'm thinking about it as chickpeas and strawberry, but even any kind of bean but yeah, or there's, legume. There's not a good bean to fruit. mix with strawberry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Layla, do you want to go or should I go? Do you want to ask me one or mm. should I? Do you have it open? Like, I do have it open. Let's see. So we've got... Food, beverage, pop culture, TV. Are we going to, do we stay, should we stay in the food category or do you want to try a different category? We can do whatever you want. It's I can't, I kind of want, I want to like entrap you. I want to find one that I feel like I know you're going <laughs> to. Guys, the purpose of this <laughs> game is just to get to know it's, one it's another. To, ha- it's to reach to judge across, each other. Yeah. All I know is that I'm going to lose this game by the end. There's no That's winning so or losing. Far, so far you're winning. Okay. Great. I have a good one. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> white people love oh, hamilton God. have you seen hamilton he's like seven times no i don't know i, mean, I have so i flew to chicago to see hamilton like s- solely for the purpose of seeing hamilton i went there for thanksgiving to be with friends okay. um but the main reason we saw hamilton in chicago is because we could afford it it's too expensive here how much is it in chicago i i think our tickets were like 80 dollars. what yeah isn't it like hundreds and that, up to a thousand dollars thousands of thousands of thousands i don't know how much the concept of money um so you you did trap me on this one i actually have <laughs> even made like a video that was a mix of hamilton and star wars that's how much do you, do you are you are you implying that hamilton is as good as star wars um i'm not implying that i just combined i've seen them. neither so i can't weigh <laughs> in you haven't I'm seen sorry. star wars no not into it I mean, I guess it's a pretty white thing to like, so I I lose a point, I'm sure, for that. But 
but I can sing the songs from Hamilton. Really? At one point. <laughs> the, sing it. The song that I woke up to in the morning was a Hamilton song. That was my alarm. Are you? Serious? Why do Why do people? So I have nothing against Hamilton. This is one. This I is don't one either. Of the I items. just can't afford to see it. I just can't afford to see it, and I also don't. I hate musicals, mm-hmm. and I also. Oh my god, just, me too. And I feel like it's so unpopular when I say that. Exactly. I I truly truly loathe them, and I just. So I have nothing against Hamilton in particular, but the obsession around Hamilton is is pretty absurd, and I feel like it's 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 huge. I think the obsession around anything makes me not want to you know take part in it. I think because you're too hipster. <laughs> No, I'm not. It's actually, that's mainstream. why I hate hipster things because it's not, uh, you it's know, not a statement. No, because you're just following suit with a whole another group of people. You're not yeah. really being an individual. I don't know. So for people who like Hamilton, this may not be a popular opinion, but I do love the music of Hamilton. But when I saw it all put together in a stage show, yeah, I didn't think the stage show was that great. Oh, really? <laughs> I, but I love the music. I heard when the music's I, when, amazing. I when I listen to the music that. individually, like each song, like I feel like I get something from the songs. Yeah. But I, I have problem going to a musical that doesn't have anything but music. So like, they, don't, they don't even say lines. When you watch TV, do you just listen to the audio and then <laughs> <laughs> you refuse to see the picture with the audio or do you mute the audio and then you're like, I can put this together. <laughs> I, I just put it together. I will say I watched the Hamilton episode of Drunk History and it mm-hmm. totally made me cry. But all episodes of Drunk History, for some reason, I get so emotional. Really? Wow. Yeah. I've only watched a few episodes. Because... So. I think because I think the same reason that I watched The Crown where it's always like a really important moment in history. And I'm like, that person sacrificed so much to do like whatever it is, because some of them are like civil rights. Some of them are like uh, like Disability Act, whatever. Like there's so much and it's so important. I had a friend who was on Drunk History <gasps> and she did an episode uh, talking about Uhura from Star Trek. Yes. Lost me. Yes. And oh my God. That was yes. such a great episode. That was a great episode. I didn't even Where know anything Uhura about that. Talked to Martin Luther King Jr. and he said, "You have to keep doing the show." Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. What? Uh, really who cool. is who was the host? Who do you know? Ashley Nicole Black. She's Ashley from Full Nicole Frontal Black. with Samantha B. Oh on yeah. The show. You, your wife Anna works on that, mm-hmm. right? She's mm-hmm. a digital producer. Or what is name drop? She's a digital producer on that, the show. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, where'd you guys meet? Where did Anne and I meet? Yeah, I want to have her on the show, too. Yeah. I could tell you a short version of that story if you want. Tell yes, me please. a three-hour version. Because <laughs> we, we were both journalists, um, and I was a columnist at our school paper. So I wrote an article about not having a date on Valentine's Day, and then she asked me out based on my article. Stop. Oh, my God. Did you yeah. write that kind of like, I want to let fishing? her know that I'm single? Like, was that it part of it? It wasn't for her. It was just in general. I was like, to let anyone, want anyone free tonight? Sure, Nick. What was uh, the headline no. of the column? It was anyone free tonight. Anyone free tonight. That's kind of nice. So you were inviting her to ask you out. (laughs) Or anyone. At the end, so I mentioned in the article that I make good chicken tikka masala. Ah. So she asked me out and said, let's have some tikka masala on Valentine's Day. That's so So I made it at home and she stood me up. (gasps) She did. What? What? Oh my God. And you're married now? No, it's not her fault. So she was working at the paper and then the servers went down. So they had to stay late at the paper to get it done. Was this like pre-cell phones and you didn't know? Um, It wasn't pre-cell phones. (laughs) She just didn't tell you? She, so I mean, I got, you I did... got a text from her and she was like, sorry. Oh, oh okay, okay. So she didn't really stand me up. But on Valentine's Day, I just sat alone and ate tikka masala, which is fine. It was fine. Wait, so did other women respond to the column as well or just her? 
It was just her, I think. I guess that's fate. Yeah. That's so sweet. So you went to the same college in, in Utah? We went to the same college in Utah, and we worked at the same paper, but we didn't know each other because I was oh. on the opinion side of the paper, and she was in news. Okay. So we really didn't, like, know each other. So uh, did she grow up there as well? She did. She was she born in uh, Mexico City, so she's Mexican. Okay. And she Ooh. moved to Utah when she was nine. Oh, wow. What so a she's change. she's fluent in Spanish. Um and the the main reason they moved to Utah is because it was supposed to be one of the safest places in America. So they moved to a place mm. c- called Provo, which is where BYU oh, yeah, is. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my friend um, went. Which is really just not a place <laughs> you want to move to. Why? Um, As an immigrant or in general? Well, I mean, they call it Happy Valley. And it's just when I say Utah is 95% Mormon, uh, Provo is like 99%. They only have one bar in the entire Whoa. city. Is, do it's people the driest like, city in the country. Do people judge you if you go to the bar? Yeah, I'm sure they do. What about, is there a Starbucks there? <laughs> um, so they do have Starbucks uh, or coffee in Utah. shops in general. What they do in Utah when you go to Starbucks is you get a milk steamer, so you don't get coffee. They just steam milk what? and drink it. Do they serve coffee, or is it not even? It's on called a coffee bar, though. They do serve coffee. Uh, so there are the a lot people of people will who will still get coffee. So that's called the word of wisdom in the Mormon church. You're not supposed to drink coffee, but a lot of Mormons still do. Is oh. it as strong as a sin as alcohol? Because there's stuff like that in Islam where like um, it's just frowned upon. Like smoking like mm-hmm. is frowned upon, but it's... But like every Arab smokes. But every Arab smokes, yes. And then... But drinking is forbidden. So I don't know. Is it like... So like caffeine is frowned upon and coffee is frowned upon, but it's not... It's not the caffeine, though. I ha- had a... I thought someone, it was the caffeine. I had someone who was more than tell me it wasn't. Because you can't either, and they have caffeine from Coca-Cola. I mean, it's the caffeine, so... <laughs> I was, is it or is it not? Listeners. Like, if you went if you went to BYU, you could get caffeine-free Mountain Dew, and I swear it's the only place in the world Why that makes... Why can't you get decaf yeah. coffee? You can because get decaf... Because decaf well, coffee, well, it still has a little bit of caffeine yeah. in it. Do you know what the... I oh God, I should interview a Mormon ask. Do you know <laughs> what it is about... Is, is it... I think because caffeine is, it, it is still a psychoactive drug. It's, it's a stimulant. It's, like a stimulant. it's the most, it's actually, fun fact, the most widely used psychoactive drug in the world. Because obviously but it's, it's not super not bad for you. There's a nutritionist by day. <laughs> so she has a lot of opinions on, <laughs> on foods being things. good As or bad As a nutritionist, is it bad for me if I pop caffeine pills? <laughs> no, as we've learned from the episode of Saved by the Bell, they're super, they're super safe. That was an episode of Saved by the Bell. It was. Where Jesse was, God, we're showing our age to me. Layla's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit younger than us. But um, yeah, there was an episode. Did you ever watch it, Layla? No, I did not. Oh my God. I feel so old. You watched mm-hmm. it. Please tell I me, Nick, it. you watched it. Okay. I totally get your reference. Okay, thank God. Someone out there. I watched Frasier. I love Frasier. I've oh, seen every cool. episode. Me too. Also. Oh my god! But it's, yeah, Frasier is. Frasier should be on our Keeping Up with the Caucasian uh, list because it is the is whitest it? show it's ever. White. It is, I'm and it's so not white. even. It's like it's not even just. Um, what's the opposite of diverse? Homogenous. Uh, not sure. diverse. Okay. Well, it's not <laughs> even. It's know. not white. even just white? not yeah. racially diverse. It's also not like income diverse. Or like type of white diverse, like it that's is, true. They're all just like super all rich, very wealthy white people, older white in men. Seattle. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What name? In Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah. 
which I want to visit. I've never been. Even the yeah. dog is white. Oh yeah, yeah. the dog is white. Even the dad's hair is white. Wow, <laughs> guys, it must be an Illuminati show. I loved it though. That yeah. apartment. I know. I loved it too. It's gorgeous. The series finale of Frasier is one that stands up. Um, this is worth having to take a shot for it but one of the creators <laughs> oh, creators God. of fraser died in 9 11 the oh. creator yeah one of the creators what was he doing in he the was on a tower? Wait, it was like the he wasn't in the tower he was oh the okay yeah it's really sad r.i.p mm. sorry let's take a moment yeah oh, my God, this well, is eat some tossed salad and scrambled eggs <laughs> in heaven fraser reference <laughs> <laughs> Can we please play it? We should. We should just watch it. We should just change this podcast to watching I'm gonna, Frasier. This with time, I'm gonna have like the outro song be "Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs." I would love that. Scrambled yeah. eggs. Okay. Um, did your parents though assimilate in like I guess American or white culture? Did you feel like they kind of? Because I didn't. I felt like mine like were in their own Arab community bubble, mm-hmm. so they didn't really assimilate yeah, as mine, much. Mine did not assimilate. Either. Yeah. Did Did yours kind of have their own? Com- was there a community that they could? There, there really wasn't a community. My mother, to this day, has always hated living in Utah. She had a very big Filipino community in California where she grew up. Oh, so um, she's like Filipino American. Like mm-hmm, she grew. Mm-hmm. Was she born in the Philippines or in California? She was born in California, and her parents were born in America too. So she's. Oh shit. She's not an immigrant. Okay. Her parents aren't immigrants. But so. she's still full Filipino. But she's full Filipino. That's well, pretty cool. Except one of her grandparents, we found out, was Hawaiian. Oh yeah. <laughs> Native Hawaiian. So still like Pacific Islander. Yeah. And then your dad, where did he grow up? He grew up in Utah. Oh, okay. what what brought your mom to Utah? My dad. And what brought your dad yeah, to your mom? Yeah, how did they meet? <laughs> uh, my dad was in the Navy, and he met her in California when he was um, on leave in California, I guess. Oh, okay. That's pretty so, cool. That's romantic. Yeah. So your mom was already a pretty integrated in, like, American culture, so it wasn't like she had... Yeah. Uh, was your dad first generation? So in both cases, I would say I was, like third generation so my grandparents on both sides um spoke their native language okay so my uh my grandparents spoke tagalog on my mom's side and my grandparents spoke greek on my dad's side and did either of your parents speak different languages or did they only learn english no i mean they just learned enough to get by yeah with the family but that's why I don't know. That's why I don't know anything but English. I've never heard Tagalog said out loud, and I always thought it was Tagalog, like Tagalog, the cookie. Yeah. Yeah, I never um, attempted so this... to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. I've What's never... fun about Tagalog is it's very much like Tagalog. Spanish. Is it? So yeah, I've, be, I've because there's such that. a big Spanish influence in the Philippines because they were conquered for ever. And a lot of the names are like Spanish origin too, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you get people like like Fernandez. with the name like. Del Greco mm-hmm, is actually mm-hmm. a Filipino name, you know. Now, um, that means are you the Greek? Good one. See, are you yeah. related to Zach Galifianakis? <laughs> We're <laughs> all related somehow. And right? Layla. You yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm probably. <laughs> Wait, what's your full last name, though? It's Papastavros. Oh, okay. So the way the the pap in Greek works is it's like son in English. So Papastavros would be like Stevenson. Oh, okay. So pap smear is like son of... Uh, it's son a of smear. Smear son. Smear son. Like that's why ben, you have like, like Papa ben Nicholas in, is like Nicholson. Ah, uh, okay. Like Ben is son of in Hebrew and in Arabic. Yeah. Like ben yeah, Yamin like Ben Atash. Or yeah. Ben, yeah. Mm-hmm. or Ben... I'm trapping you, Layla. Yeah. 
You know what's funny is that Vinatosh was also involved in 9-11, but that's ding, a deep ding, cut. Ding. <laughs> oh should I? Should we pull out some alcohol? Is there something that I can take my... <laughs> my if my, my mom is listening, no. I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> she knows I drink. She just doesn't acknowledge it. Um, really? Should I out her like this? My dad saw me with a beer once at a family event in Jordan, and my cousin had given me the beer, and my dad was like four on the other side of the table, and it's like the moment it sat down in front of me, he like turned his head really aggressively and like made like really intense eye contact with me, and I was like, I don't know how this got here. I'm not involved. How old were you? This was like last year. Oh, (laughs) okay, so you're old enough, but that doesn't matter. You're you're forever a child. Yeah, exactly. uh, When you're you're Arab. I think the first drink I ever had, a cousin bought it for me, and then when my dad found out about it, he said, if you ever want a drink, you, you ask me and you can have a drink with me. But I'm upset that you went behind my back to get a drink. Oh, how old were like you? that's good parenting. But I was like 13. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, 12. I was 30. <laughs> it no, was uh, a week ago. <laughs> yeah, that would never happen with my parents. No, oh, no. They're they... like, don't ask, don't tell, don't do anything that I need to ask or you need to tell me. Um, that's... Don't ask, don't tell, don't do. Don't, yeah, don't ask, don't do. Do you know that one? Um, that's cool. I guess I, I hear that kind of with some of my friends, like I remember, um, this is totally different, but like my mom was telling me that her friend, like her dad caught her with like a cigarette and then like made her smoke the entire pack. Is that a real thing? That's a real (laughs) thing. I always thought that was like a fake thing that they say that it's also so, I guess it would make you want to puke. Like after doing that, it would make make you you, like really sick if you take that. So I get like, I understand, but it's also like, you don't want your kids to smoke because it's (laughs) bad for them. And you're like, I taught you a lesson. You're addicted to cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And here's like a, year of smoking in one day mm. oh yeah good luck not being addicted after smoking mm-hmm. like just i mean it's all physical mostly physical addiction at that point i yeah. guess that's funny uh w- did you have like an open relationship with your parents were you pretty like were you able to speak to them about just whatever no we were kind of like a closed off family like they're i i, I think they they were progressive parents so Mm -hmm. they didn't mind if i did anything but we would never have like conversations about like the birds and the bees i never had that talk yeah i still don't know what that is yeah (laughs) i don't know why they name it that will someone please explain it uh yeah there's no talk of like because you're we were talking about this before like uh, another episode about like dating like you're not supposed to be dating so you wouldn't have a conversation Mm -hmm. about that or anything that leads to any kind of physical contact i feel like arab parents are very much of the don't give them ideas mind where it's like don't talk about anything because if you do the kid might do it because they've probably never heard of it before or thought of it yeah yeah one time there was like when i was like in college and i was like not living at home i was leaving the house and there was a snake on in like the yard so i called my parents inside and i was like hey just fyi there's like a snake in the yard don't step on it and then my stepmom, who like often speaks like I don't know what you call it, like Arabish, like Arab English, like half and half. Yeah. So she she yelled to my dad. She was like, "There's a snake in the hashish," and then which <laughs> means grass. And then my dad was like, "Don't give her ideas. What? Don't say hashish on the phone because hashish is like, like hash. yeah." So I, it was, and that was like when I was in my twenties, and like. Just they assume that's that you're hilarious. even so, just saying it. Yeah. Mm. I once got in trouble because you know my 
I mean, my parents speak English, but they speak to each other in Arabic and they speak to me in Arabic mostly. I speak more um, kind of like English and Arabic with my mom, but almost exclusively in Arabic with my dad because he just like forced me to do that. But he once found a magazine I had that was like, 10 like sexy hairstyles or something he just saw the word sex and like flipped out Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't i don't understand like why why is this a bad thing i don't know but it's also like different with you know i think our parents are more strict with like girls oh yeah do you have any like sisters or siblings i have two brothers i have no sisters older or younger i'm the youngest you're the youngest Mm -hmm. are they like married with kids and all that fun stuff one is married with a kid and one is not married with a kid um, Ooh, scandalous! <laughs> <laughs> Were you your parents your cool first, guys? I think my mom always wanted a girl, and there have been no girls in the family. Oh. So, so I, what did you ask? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think the wasn't it. Do you have any Not siblings? If your mom cool with only having boys. If your oh. mom was cool with your brother having a child out of wedlock. Um, <laughs> I think so. I, I will say that she was fine with it because she had him out of wedlock. Scandal. Twist! <laughs> you you just come from a scandalous family. Pretty much, yeah. Navy man. Okay, on, so you're really like uh, they're not gonna fault you for uh, you know. It sounds like you had. How'd cool you find parents. that out though? If they didn't talk about it. So I found they it out um, <laughs> because I found my my brother's birth certificate in a drawer, and it wasn't his name. His name changed. Why? Because he's my half brother, I didn't find out he was my half brother. Whoa! Whoa! Until, twist! This is yeah, like a ton of scandal. Totally. Um, until I was uh, almost twenty years old. Holy shit! And then they had a talk with me. They were like, "This is your half brother. Um, his name used to be Stan, and th- that was the name of his father." And then you mean they last re- name? Um, no, no that was name. his first name. Oh, like they I'm like, why his would whole his name? whole name change? Um, that was the name of the. That was the, the name of the other father. Okay. Um, and they didn't want to name him after this guy who wasn't around anymore. So what they did he? What him. happened? Like, did he just leave? Um, I think they just didn't get along. I don't think he mm-hmm. abandoned my mother. I think they just. Like, is he in your life at all, or your brother's life at all? Not at all. No. I, I mean, that's. I think that's borderline abandonment. abandonment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. if you like, have he, a, ch- if you know you have a yeah. child. And you leave even if it's on good terms, but you never see speak them? to your child again. I feel like that's not yeah, so cool. That's basically, yeah. Wow. Good to know. And how old was he when, or? So they told him from a very young age. Okay. So he knew about it. Weird. But he, he never kept, told they, you? They kept it a secret from us. How much older was he than you? Like, what's the age He was difference? a lot older than me. So he, okay. he's seven years older than me. Oh, okay. That's not a whole lot. Our whole family yeah, sped out. True. We're like, oh yeah, very spread out. My parents had kids for like twenty years. Yeah. Like we're four, so I have like, you know, there's like a four-year age gap, then a nine-year, and then a six-year. Yeah. So I'm like, me and oh, my other brother that. are very close, so we're like two years apart, and then he's kind of the seven years away. Do you get? Do you look alike? Like, I look like my oldest brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Was his dad white or? He was Latino, I think. Okay. So oh, where my mother grew up in uh, California is called Guadalupe. And Guadalupe is almost 50% Filipino and 50% Latino. So like, uh, that sounds yeah. awesome. So all of my cousins, when we have like family reunions, it's mostly like Filipino Latinos. Oh, that's and cool. And you blend right in. Yeah. Filipino? My kids will, will blend right in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Your kids will totally blend right mm-hmm. in. 
Yeah, I think uh, that's the nice thing about being ethnically ambiguous <laughs> sometimes yeah. with other like brown people. They just don't question you. Yeah. Also, I don't, it's also the way like you approach it. And I know we talked about this at length with like passport control and the breakdown, like how people ask like where we're from. And mm-hmm. like it's it's different when it's coming from someone who's also like an other and someone yeah. who's brown asking because they're just genuinely like curious they're mm-hmm. like i want to connect with you because we both have these like different backgrounds but um i've been doing this joke on stage like this woman once told me this is the weirdest thing i've gotten she was like you look international that's uh-huh. kind of nice what is that what is that <laughs> she was like hinting at me like telling her and i'm like what does that even mean like so this happened more than once to my mother who would always be confused with being Samoan in Utah. Ooh. And I'm surprised they would, they knew what they would say it the exact same way. They'd say, are you Samoan? And my mother would say, no. And then they would say, oh, you're beautiful anyway. <gasps> oh, my God. Did they think that was a compliment? I think they thought it was a compliment, but I've heard that more than once from people in Utah. Like, that's just their way of... I've had someone tell me... If when I told them I was Palestinian, they were like, "Oh, that's okay." Like, I had a guy okay. tell me once that if I looked more white, I'd be really hot. Who said oh, that? A guy? Just like, yeah, a, a guy. It what was, a nice compliment. I know. I was like, mm. thanks. Like, yeah, I, I was like, what do you say to that? But I get the, I don't really get um, mistaken for anything even close to. Uh, what I am because why would how would they know that would yeah. be more creepy if they knew I guess but um I do get in the neighborhood where I live when people get mad at me they yell get out of the way Mexican bitch and I don't look Mexican at all like not even one percent so it's a pretty also funny. what do they have against Mexicans I think it's just because like, like in that neighborhood I'm like the only like white person like yeah. white skinned person um so they just why didn't they call you white girl oh yeah that's I don't know do they call think, you Snowflake? Have you ever gotten that? No, I've never gotten Snowflake. <laughs> I have gotten Miss Italiano. Like two two days ago, this guy was like, hey, Miss Italiano, don't mess up the world or something. Like I was walking fast. Miss Italiano? Was it was that? really weird. And I was like, I don't know why I was like offended by that. I was like, I'm not Italian. Ew. So <laughs> no offense. Do you get offended when people think that you are white? I, I do more only because I think solely because of all the hate that I got from white people in grade school and high school um and in greece because Mm. and that wasn't for my skin color that was just for coming from a muslim family so it sucks to be treated as an other for like a huge part of your life and then to have somebody be like oh you're white and i'm like actually like listen there's a lot of shit going on in palestine fuck you it's not white if it was white like things would be a lot better for them and then yeah you can't you can't because i just don't like the idea that you can you know, make like that judgment make, that you can commit hate crimes against Arab people and then call them white in the same breath. Like it doesn't seem like I don't. That doesn't feel when very I kosher for here, me. Here, I lived in Harlem and I got called uh, white trash. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which was weird. I was like, oh, I my dad never has called, called me white. white trash when he thought I was acting too American. Well, I thought about that when I first moved here. I moved to Harlem too. And in Utah, I was a minority. Right. So I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And then in Harlem, I was a minority. So I don't, because everyone, everyone is African-American. Yeah. In Harlem. Did you get called anything? No, not really. Yeah, I would stay. 
I feel out like it's just <laughs> stay out of the way. I There's something it's... about the way I look that a lot of people would walk up and ask me for directions. You, because... you do have a very welcoming face. Yeah. Because I think I just look like I know I might know where I'm going, but also I'm very approachable. <laughs> like I'm I don't have any street cred. You look like someone I want to cheat off of in math. Or... Okay, I thought thank you. Were you. Say I'll, I'll cheat take on, it. and I was like, that's cheat really on? mean. No. Whoa, calm. Oh, God. I would never cheat on Nick with think, another guest. I think getting <laughs> yelled at the last at, guest we'll ever have. I think getting yelled at is like an extension of catcalling, though. So I yeah. bet, like, if. I, I mean, I'm sure white women probably get yelled at as much and as racially and just yeah. have people, like like you said, at the, like yell snowflake at them or yell because mm-hmm. men on the street just love yelling at women regardless no, of their No, I'm color. sure that that's an experience that I don't have to deal with as much as you guys would have to deal yeah. with it. Like, now, what do men yell at yell you? At <laughs> Construction sites. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, baby. Hey, pretty. They're like, get out of the way. There's a girl behind you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me see those tits behind you. <laughs> Yeah, catcalling is not fun. Although I haven't really ha- had it happen lately or in this neighborhood. But now summer is coming and those, uh, you know, heavy winter coats are coming off. And I expect, mm. you know, more yeah. behavior. It, it happens, I feel like, all year round. But I just remember, too, I have this jacket that says Palestine really big on the back in like Arabic calligraphy. But it's black with white writing. And in Alabama, I've had people ask me if it's an ISIS jacket, which it's not. It just says Palestine. It's just, it, it <laughs> just they see Arabic and they're like, it, it's ISIS. And it's from like a charity. It's not even like a political. I know everything for white people is about Palestine is political, political, but it's not. It's like it was from like a Muslim charity that like gave money to an orphanage for my jacket purchase. But I had a guy yesterday ask me. And all of for the first time, I think, besides Alabama, I guess, but I think in Alabama, I feel more like. I don't care what people think. I'm, I want to, like, st- I don't know, stand out, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, yeah. Whereas here, like, I wore it by myself, like, as in not with friends, not with, like, a man next to me. And for some reason, I felt, like, people were asking me about it, and I felt weirdly... Um, not like I had a target on my back. Maybe the time, like maybe now yeah. the environment is Honestly, different that's lately. that's how I feel anytime I wear a keffiyeh. Like, yeah. It feels like you're trying to make a political statement. I'm like, no, this yeah. is just a cultural thing. Or mm-hmm. like, can and I not just be like Palestinian yeah, there's without just it being dread. a whole conversation? Exactly. Like, like an older guy asked me about it and then was like really terse. Like he was like, what does it say on your jacket? And then I told him and then he was like, you should just tell them it says ISIS just to I, scare I them. I kind of want, like, I, I want to experiment and see what happens. <laughs> like, I feel like I haven't gotten that in Alabama. I don't know. I, I didn't really, I'm trying to think. I, I guess I didn't really wear anything, like, super mm-hmm. Palestinian looking. I don't know. Nick, when you wear Arabic writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what happens? Well, that's most of my wardrobe. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now he's covered in a green ISIS flag. And it's like making me really uncomfortable because I'm wearing the same outfit. <laughs> it just gives me a lot more room on the train. when I. That's wear my, true. There yeah. is a perk. There is a perk of being scary. Oh, my scary. God. I'm wearing shorts today and my bare thighs touched the, the subway bench Ooh. for the first time of Ugh. the season. And I was so grossed I out. I hate that feeling. I usually stand. I know. It, I forgot because it it's the first time I've worn shorts like this year. Yeah. So I was like, I sat down and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what is this thing I have thing not left me? my apartment today. I feel like that's really unhealthy because <laughs> I worked from home today. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are here because otherwise I wouldn't have talked to anyone besides my clients and I wouldn't have had like normal human interaction. Although is it normal when you speak with people over a podcast? Well, like, 
No, it's not normal. How many clients do you have though? If it's under ten, not normal. If it's over fifty, uh, today I had under ten, but you can I could have up to fourteen because it's on a half hour like slot and it's seven hours. Mm. So if people book like I, there's the potential to have fourteen, but um, people travel a lot in the summer and don't want to talk to me. And mm. uh, usually, like everyone comes in like January, of course, like when the gyms get really? busy and everyone's like, oh shit, my New Year's resolution, I gotta like lose weight and then like a couple months in people like forget about it and what types like, of do you ever get any weird questions um weird yeah i mean people yeah people ask me all sorts of things that they read on like random like buzzfeed <laughs> articles and whatever and they want to like fight me about my knowledge and like uh, of nutrition and stuff and it's kind of frustrating i feel like i need to have a conversation with you because i've lost a lot of weight but i feel like it might be generally unhealthy what i'm doing yeah, so so. you're like i don't want to confirm that it's unhealthy <laughs> <laughs> well you're doing like the low carb thing right so i do intermittent fasting where i only eat between noon and eight o'clock okay and then i have no carbs no sugar Throughout like, the day. Throughout the day. Oh, okay. How's your energy? <laughs> I have good energy. This is going to be... It's fine. She's like treating him now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel your vibes are good. But like, I, <laughs> I have no energy. Can you Can you, you have diagnose me? I know, but we just talked... We were talking off air how you had like C. diff, which yeah, is like did. crazy mm. because it kills all your good bacteria and basically... It's true. Or all your bacteria, right? I mean, good and yeah. bad. So you're very, very vulnerable to diseases and it sounds very horrible. And it, it's true. I remember I got like sick when forever. I had, when I worked in the hospital and I'd have to like go see a patient with C diff, I'd have to put on basically like a hazmat suit before seeing Yeah, them. it's funny. They this happened in college, Nick, and is totally not relevant to anything. <laughs> but basically, uh, I get sick a lot and yeah. one time in college because college um, health systems are usually not so great. Like the health center is usually not so great. I was I had pneumonia and whooping cough and one other thing at the same time because I had been misdiagnosed so many times. Mm. And every time the doctor in like a span of two months, I was prescribed like five rounds of antibiotics. And then they tested me again, uh, like later because I was still sick. And then they called me on winter break and were like, um, you have C. diff and it's like a big emergency and you need to go to the doctor like yeah. right now and get this prescription. And I was like, I don't I feel I felt like like sick but normal like i didn't feel like i was about to die but they were oh, so you weren't hospitalized they were no they they were so nervous on the phone yeah i was i was already yeah like i mean i was already basically at home like, yeah excessive antibiotics is not good is that what worst. you're doing nick is that why you've lost so much weight <laughs> that, you just that's what had I wanted diarrhea to talk about. <laughs> what i know about c diff is tignataro had c oh yeah because she and see how severe it was Wait, with hers so yeah. does that mean i'm gonna get famous so well, turn she was already your, a comedian. Sorry. Turn your C diff story into a well, not just that, right? She had ten minutes set. Wait, yeah. So what happened? So she had C diff. She had cancer. Her girlfriend broke up with her, and her mom died all at once. Yeah. Oh. I mean, not on the same day, but like pretty close to each other. And so she has an amazing. You should see. Also, I just saw her latest special. Did you watch? it? I did watch the latest. It's so good. One, but she didn't talk about it. I did watch it. No, no. Her yeah. first one, Live. Ah. Oh. Or the and I watched the documentary that she did. Both are amazing. I love her. Did you watch it? Nick? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I watched all of it. Um, She's awesome. She is so funny. So you could listen to Live, and it's maybe 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just great. Like, I wish I could do stand-up I could never like that. do that. I, I'm not... Like, just be so vulnerable on stage, you know? You, do you, do yeah. both of you guys act super... I, I don't know what the opposite of... Um, like, have a persona? Are you guard, yeah. Are you very guarded when you're on stage? I have a persona on stage, which is not who I am. Like, I'm, is, very, I'm very snarky and, like... On stage? Overconfident on stage, yeah. Um, yeah, you're not like that. I mean, 
Except when you pulled my hair earlier. <laughs> Called me a dumb bitch. A white trash bitch. No, yeah, I I honestly I, I want to see your stand up because it's so interesting you learn different aspects of people when you watch their stand-up versus talking to them because some people are very different um i feel that i'm personal on stage and i'm myself but i do say things that are i'm more bold on stage and i will say things mm -hmm. that i would not say off stage um Layla, i don't know you you've seen me both on and off stage i don't think it's true i heckle yeah <laughs> i have been trying to work on being more personal because if you look at my Twitter, like most of what I would do on stage is is very political. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that most audiences want to hear anything else about Donald Trump or anything political. They just want a nice escape. So I'm it trying to... Yeah, it depends on the audience. But most yeah. I find like general audiences are just like, give me something to laugh at so I can forget about my life, <laughs> yeah. my bills and all that, yeah. which I get. But also... I like comedy with a message. A lot of people are like, no, but I, I like it. I don't know. I like it, too. I, I put together a whole set based on going to the March for Our Lives in D.C. Oh, just yeah. talking about gun control. Um, and I think I've got good reactions from it. But that's also like a very hard subject to talk about. Yeah. You know? I have a joke about guns and and white terrorists. And the second I say I was just saying how like white guys, if they commit like a mass shooting or something like they, they aren't calling it a terrorist. And then I say, when I say the word school shooting and it's not like making fun in any way, it's just referring to it in my joke. And I'm talking about something serious. The room gets really quiet and, and they get very uncomfortable. And of course, like I'll comment on that, but I'm like, yeah, you guys are uncomfortable. Like think how they felt <laughs> like also it's like, it is an uncomfortable topic, but it's mm -hmm. real and it's something like we can't just pretend like it doesn't exist. And I don't know, there's different ways to approach it. Um, like I, I love Hari Kondabalu because he talks about um, he's more political. And I, did you watch his latest Netflix special? I wa I've watched half of it. Yeah. I didn't finish it. But. Did you Weird. watch it? Yeah, I watched half of it. You watched half of it? I, didn't, did you guys I watch mean, I didn't turn the same it off. Half? <laughs> you could fill <laughs> each other in. I'll watch the second half. Oh, good. You can fill each other in. Um, yeah, I didn't turn it off for any, I, I feel like I was leaving the house and like, I didn't walk away from it on purpose, but, um, yeah, it is very like, I don't know. I love what he says about, uh, terrorists where he's like, uh, um, which is kind of like something I've been wanting to talk about, sort of talking about on stage too, like how, uh, you know, whenever it's a white guy they're, that's committed some sort of terrorism, it's almost like he's mentally yeah. ill. Like, as opposed to the suicide bomber who has all his shit together, <laughs> who's worked through his history and, and years of oppression and just totally understands, like, where I'm totally butchering this. You guys should watch it. But it was really funny, like, how we immediately vilify the brown person mm -hmm. and immediately we give an escape or some, or condone like the white person is being mm. like oh they're just like mentally ill or low or, you know or yeah my joke is like i would talk about how they're like a lone wolf i'm like yeah way to make him sound cool yeah <laughs> seriously so i don't know but is, so is what your like twitter personality um or your twitter personality is that what you're like on stage you feel like or um I don't think so. I think people expect it sometimes. Yeah. Like if they have ever followed me on Twitter, they want to see me roasting yeah. the Trump administration. Yeah. Um, but I mostly talk more broadly. So I'll talk about gun control in like a, a much broader sense. Or yeah. Um, what about before Trump? Like what were, were your tweets as political or just? So that's 
funny if you go back before Trump, it was mostly just one liners. Okay. Um, and that's the kind of comedian I was before Trump too. I would just go up and I would, I was like a one liner comedian. Like I loved Mitch Hedberg and I would yeah, try and do he's great. like fun wordplay stuff like that. And then at some point I'm like, this is just so meaningless. Like all these jokes, like. That's how I feel. There's enough meaningless stuff out in the world. Like, why can't we put out something that is both funny and meaningful? Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I'm not up there, like, giving a TED Talk, hopefully. But (laughs) And not all my jokes are political. But, like, again, if I say I'm Mm -hmm. Palestinian, it's just, like, sort of, oh, address it. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. It feels political. Or people expect you to make some sort of anti-Semitic joke or something, like, which obviously you don't do. And... It's just, yeah, everybody has to make it such a, um, like, walking on eggshells thing. I think the filter I use when I write a joke now is that I want to make them laugh, but I also want to make them think. So yes. If, Laughter if I'm, first. Right. If I can, if I write a joke that I think it's going to get a laugh, but they're not going to think about anything, then it's not a good joke to me. I agree. Laugh, you have to make them laugh. You got to get them laughing. I mean, that's... <laughs> rule number one in stand-up guys or comedy <laughs> make people laugh that's what i've that's been it. missing that's it yeah I, I think i fixed your whole career no you're very funny um do you talk about your like background or heritage on stage does that like play a part in your comedy i do a little bit at the very beginning like when oh, i you walk said you up talk, you um, that you, but i'll but i'll move away from that afterwards so i don't really talk about myself i'm trying to do it more where you talk about you just being personal in general or uh, talking about your heritage specifically or your ethnicity. So I'll talk about my heritage, my heritage in like a broader sense of growing up in Utah sort of stuff, but not a lot of stuff like Filipino or Greekness or anything like that. So. And Layla, I feel like you should do stand up. I feel like really? I already know what your your opener and closer might be. What would it be? <laughs> I don't want to know what it would be. Nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, you can say it, Nick. I honestly, <laughs> like I yeah I don't think I would be good at it and I think it's because I have definitely grown because I've grown up in like this digital and journalism landscape I really think I hide behind like you know how they say like like online trolls hide behind a keyboard like they can say shit because they know that there's no consequences I, mm-hmm. I feel like I hate to admit it but I feel like that is something that um that I like that resonates with me because I don't I don't feel like I would be as bold as I am on Twitter or in my writing or anything that I've done on stage where there's like people right there who can argue with because even when people argue with me on Twitter I legit don't but you respond. Can sh- no, but people are less likely to argue with you when you're on stage. You're holding you the microphone. Well, one if you're in a club or most uh, like bar shows or whatever, like people don't tolerate hecklers definitely not at clubs they are i've seen Mm -hmm. people be physically removed for like heckling so there's no longer that culture of like heckling like that's not okay which a lot of people think like when they go to a show like who've never part of it yeah that's part of it i'm like no that's really disrespectful i went to a show at the comedy cellar where um the the head or not the headliner but the last woman who who came on was like pretty famous and she was hilarious and there was like a big group that was heckling her and she was she literally stopped in the middle of her set and was like you guys need to shut up this is like a workshopping place for comedians we come here to test new material we don't need you to butt in and then they did and it was so like i didn't really i had never really thought about that aspect of stand up that like you go somewhere yeah, sometimes you have to, to test things it out somewhere. yeah which sounds like horrifying I mean, by a, the way a it good is. host will call out any heckler so if yep 
if someone goes up and someone starts heckling and that person doesn't know how to deal with the heckler, when the host gets up, they'll deal with the heckler. Yes. So. Yes. And But you know what? It is a good skill to have. Like sometimes you get people who are just like a little too drunk and rowdy and might say something. Or you get that overly enthusiastic person who wants to like, you know, play a part in your thing. And you're like, no, I'm not asking you. Qu-. I've told people, shut up. I'm like, shut up. I'm talking right now. Or mm-hmm. like, and uh-huh. I would never do that in real life. Like really, yeah. like I do feel more bold to just be like, okay, I don't want to hear what you say. Or like, I'll ask them a question and they'll go on on a tangent and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm done listening to you and I'll just move on. But maybe you can help me workshop a tight 10 and then maybe then journalism. 10, you're ambitious. Let's yeah, we, start we with talked about this. Five. Oh, tight five, tight yeah. three, tight one. A tight one. Tight oh 30 God. seconds. There was a new comic, oh my God, on Monday at a mic, he, he said he drove 90 minutes from Long Island to this mic um, and he was like, so and he goes, we were like one of the first people there and he was just like really young and like enthusiastic and he was like, so how much, how many minutes is this mic? And I was like, three. And he's like, what? Three minutes? He's like, I drove 90 minutes for this mic. It's three minutes. He's like, I've got like 12 minutes. And in my head, I'm like, you don't have 12 minutes. Like, <laughs> I, like you have to do it for a year until you have like yeah. good like material. And it was just, it was really funny. It, it was of course all about blowjobs and masturbation and yeah. uh, jerking off just and, manly uh, things yeah pretty much what i expected but i'm like uh and he was like okay fine i'll just he was like i thought it might be eight so i cut it down to eight and now i have to do my <laughs> only three i was like oh but the other things you learn once you've been doing it the only way to learn with stand up is yeah. to fall i do an open mic with comedy wire and we give people six minutes and it's such a pleasure for them because most yeah. open mics are just like three minutes and get out yeah you know? so do you run a mic yeah we run a monthly mic at the pit loft know that i do a lot of mics there okay we gotta go to do you wait well mic. wait do you do either of you guys watch um marvelous mrs Maisel? yes yeah i, I saw loved the whole it season. i yeah. loved it too it didn't resonate with me at all obviously but <laughs> as a tv show you i know, thought it was incredible i think a lot of people who like don't do stand-up or comedy like really liked it i mean it's just uh i think we can all relate to struggling being in an environment yeah um that we're not used to and falling and on our faces trying to do something new although she was really good i guess like i'm like that's not how my first stand-up set went that's what i i listened to a lot of podcasts about tv and they talked about it and one of the things that they said was that she's just like too unrealistically good and like nobody stands around in the middle of a party with like 20 people watching them just like talking and having them laugh well in a way it's kind of mystical realism because comedians back then don't talk that way like lenny bruce may have been the only one yeah you don't just have a conversation with yeah. the audience like it would be a lot of it like very novel. set up punchline yeah. yeah. punch and so even her style was like something new i guess yeah her like, style is very current like, very and current and it so, wouldn't have yeah. even existed back then that's you know? true i think that was part of it why people were you know really interested you know, in what she had to say because it was personal yeah mm-hmm. you know what i've been really curious about and i never thought to ask you with or you new friend nick is whether after that show came out, because after it came out, I felt like it was one of those shows where, like, even, honestly, any show, like Hidden Figures, I watch, I'm like, should I work for NASA? Which isn't bad, because my dad works for NASA. But <laughs> You have an in. <laughs> I do have an in. But, um, like, I, you know, you'll watch a movie or a show, and you'll be like, should I, is that actually my dream that I just discovered from watching the show? Do you feel like a lot of new people started coming on the scene, like, after... Yes. the show came out i can tell you the people oh, after that, that show specifically i don't know the what, new comedians that i dis- dislike the most are the ones who go up and just tell a story and they don't have any jokes yeah and i feel like 
they might see that show and think, oh, I can just go up and tell a story. Yeah. They don't realize that it takes so long to craft that story and or, mm-hmm. or a joke and how long it takes. Because a good comedian will make it look easy and will make mm-hmm. it seem like it's very uh, organic and seamless. And that, that gives people the idea that they can do it. That they can just talk. And, and that's why people are so critical of comedy without people who yeah. don't do comedy because they think it's easy. And it's like one of the hardest things to oh, do. Yeah. Well, I can watch a guy like Mike Birbigli will do yeah. an entire story for an hour. And he's like a ninja because he has, mm-hmm. they're all jokes. Yeah. Um, and people think that they can just tell the story and but make it you, funny. And it's just. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm mm-hmm. not even really much of a storyteller in my standup. I would like to be. I would like to get more into that. But it is, it's a little bit of a different skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in the beginning, I was definitely more set up punch. And now I think I'm trying to make it seem more conversational, which is, I guess, you know, definitely the point you want to get to where it sounds more natural. Mm. Um, but that takes time. Did you watch Mike Birbiglia's um, movie, like Sleepwalk With Me? Because I, I addressed never his, saw the movie. You no. didn't yeah. see it. So he addresses like, you bomb in the beginning you suck um and that's just how it is i mean everybody falls everybody bombs but if you go up there and and don't expect to bomb and or like think that that might be a possibility because it will happen to the best comedians it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter um that's just a reality of it and you just go up there and you're like i'm gonna kill it by the way this kid had the attitude of like i'm killing this and did he really it was really funny wow what a white male privilege and i i don't he was i couldn't tell what he was oh he wasn't white. one thing i've discovered he in new york male like he could be italian or something Tell i don't know are they technically no. <laughs> one thing i've discovered in new york city is you have a lot of improvisers who go into stand-up oh yeah and they're totally fine with bombing because they bomb all the time in improv really i feel it's the opposite in improv, really um okay no i i've seen a lot of improvisers who haven't really prepared a stand-up set and bombed <laughs> but I think that improv audiences are way more supportive and they will laugh even when things are a little awkward and weird. And, and I don't know, I did improv. So the reason I got into improv is because I had done a few open mics when I first moved here and I was kind of feeling really scared and uncomfortable. So I started doing improv to get me comfortable being on stage. And I was like, this is really not my thing. Like I'm not feeling like it was fun and I liked being in class with people, but I didn't feel like I was getting any that much better, really. And I didn't know how. And I was like, wait, I want to get back into stand-up. And I just felt like the stark difference. I mean, I still love, like, stand-up is my, you know, first love. But it was very helpful to improv. But there was such a stark difference between being up there on stage with a bunch of people. And everybody's there. Also, everyone that watches improv is pretty much an improviser. Uh (laughs) So they're like, they are really supportive, though. But that's not always a good thing. Well, I think if you go to like a UCB show, everyone else in the audience is improvisers and it's a very supportive audience. But if you're doing indie improv and you're just doing it at like a bar or you're doing it like. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Like you'll you'll have some moments where it, it'll just bomb. I never became part of an. In, no, I I never was on a team, but I've like filled in with people oh, for some people or people are like, oh, we just want to put on this like one off show. And yeah, bad improv feels like it's just like slipping away from you. And I'm like, I don't even know how to fix this. Whereas with stand up, I'm myself, I'm in the moment. And, you know, in stand up, you can address that you're bombing and that will make people laugh because they're like, oh, thank God you're aware. Like you're aware of what's happening in the room and you're being real about it mm-hmm. instead of just being oblivious and going on with your jokes. Right. This is making me want to bomb on stage during an open mic just to develop like thicker skin because I feel like as a journalist, especially, 
you constantly get pitches, especially as a freelancer. And I'm sure in any industry as a freelancer, you're constantly getting rejected. And for a lot of the time, it makes no sense. Some of the time it's justified. You're like, cool, that's a reason to say no. But a lot of the time it's, it's just bullshit. Like it's just like this person doesn't feel it or whatever it is. And it gets me lately, especially it gets me so angry. And I feel like if I had some perspective on like rejection and failure, maybe I would be able to take it easier. If I was like, well, this isn't as bad as having a whole room of people boo me off stage. Yeah. I think rejection is a very important thing to learn. Yeah. Like I actually keep track of how often I get rejected for something. Really? Yeah. So I just like tally it. And I have like a, a board at home where I tally a rejection. It's the wall of Like a physical rejection. wall no, of rejection? I, yeah, it's actually like a star board. I put like a sticker. Really? And then the I love that. With that information What's after, that? What do you do with the information after? It just makes me realize like I need to be rejected this many times before like I get a success to happen. So like, Absolutely. for example, I put in a lot of writer's packets for right. TV shows and things like that. And I ha- haven't gotten it yet. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like I've learned something with each rejection, I guess. I agree. Does and then the that's really smart. So, so when yeah. you feel like you accomplish something, then you, you don't dread the next rejection. Yeah. And you reframe rejection as just part of a being successful. Experience. It's yeah. a learning experience. Um, if, you're not, if you're not getting rejected enough, you're not trying hard enough mm, because you're not deep. really putting... Yeah, you can put that on a mug, kids, or a magnet. <laughs> I didn't make that up, uh, but... It's a weird thing I got from like, like high school jobs where like I had a sales job where they said you'd only sell 10% of the time. So you just collect nine rejections and then you know like the next one is probably going to be a sale or something like that. Oh my God, I was terrible at like selling anything and couldn't. But that is a really important lesson to learn like when you're young. Um, Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who's like, uh, has like a younger daughter who does like modeling for like like kids clothes and you know we were talking about like rejection and just learning that as a as a young kid um it makes you not be afraid of it as much and if you're not afraid of rejection and if you're not afraid of failure you can go a lot further in like what you try to accomplish or reach for right you're not as limited is the kid even aware of like his or her rejections that's a good point i don't know because i feel like i i I mean i try to think back to my memories as a child and i have like none because I just was, like, not paying attention. Um, but I do think we should all go home and make, like, instead of vision boards. Uh, rejection failed. boards. Rejection boards, yeah. I'll help you with your rejection board. I Honestly. love that. I challenge you, like, look at any person you emulate, like a writer or a journalist, and they all, their backstory always has something like that. Mm-hmm. You look up, like, J.K. Rowling, and, like, her oh, yeah. book was rejected 20-something times. Um, or, like, Stephen King, when he would get a rejection letter for his book, he would post the rejection letter on the wall really? on a big spike so and he like collected Gabriel like Garcia pages has, yeah. has been rejected like a thousand times and so like, take away listeners we're all gonna make rejection boards take a picture tweet it at us with the hashtag rejection <laughs> well that's <laughs> too that's too generic there's probably people who hashtag re- rejection for everything right that's true what's uh-huh. your hashtag? what's a good hashtag i don't know well re- happiness re- you're good at this <laughs> okay what's wrong for the with record, this hashtag no rejection me. board i mean what? Reject- yeah hashtag rejection, rejection board. board i guess that's fine um yeah i want to see them i want to see i want to see other people's failures so that i feel better about my own <laughs> so how many rejections have you had um or are they categorized they're categorized but if we wanted to talk just like writer's packets I've probably been rejected from 20 different shows. That is, but that's like, amazing. That it is amazing. Like, I'm, like, I'm oh so impressed. 
Yeah. What are the other categories that you have? Um, I will put up a rejection star if I bomb a set. Um, I'll What's put, your definition of bombing a set, though? Because like, I think it's just a feeling. Like sometimes you walk off stage, you're like, "That was great, I killed it." Yeah. And sometimes you walk off, I'm like, "Nobody was laughing." It's Do you just record a yourself? Because sometimes we th- we remember things very differently. I need to record myself a lot more, but I yeah. Don't. I record myself. My problem is I just stop listening. I just like I can't yeah. hear this anymore. But sometimes we think that we're bombing. Then you hear it and you're like, "Oh, actually, people were laughing." Yeah. I just maybe was like in my own head. Okay, so you got. Bombing on stage, <laughs> writing packs. No, I love those. I want to. Um, and I'll send in. Uh, so I, I do. I write articles. Oh. Um, so I will send in article requests, mm-hmm. and the editors will get back to me and say, "No, we don't want to do that yeah. article." Or do they say? Do they say I'm going to pass on that? Yeah, they say I'm going to pass on <laughs> that. that. That's a big one. That is what. Or I'm like, I'll write, I'll write like this, articles. I've been I've been yeah. writing articles for McSweeney's, and I've ne- I've never been able to get into McSweeney's yet. Isn't so. that like a comedian thing, like to get into McSweeney's? Yeah, and then you can just say, I, I'm I a writer for McSweeney's, TV. and then you go, to, and they've only gotten one article in McSweeney's. But. Yeah, everyone's credits are always inflated. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I do that. Except too. mine. I'm totally legit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I'm going to make my categories jobs that I've applied for, mm-hmm. pitches that I've sent out, and I feel like I need one more. Two is not enough. I wish I was single, then I could do... Well, I've never gotten rejected from men. Let's be real. <laughs> you are so no relatable right now. Up, just be like, I just need more rejection yeah. in my life. So. Well, also, go, it's not, start going to bars and hitting on people. Just we're not the ones happens. doing the asking. That's true. But no, I Except have. I have for your past. for Nick's wife, which was a b- very beautiful story. But Nick was really asking for it. Yeah, <laughs> like I, you said, what was it called? What are you doing tonight? Are you free tonight? What are you Anyone, talking about? Your, your article. Your article where oh. Anna asked you out. Anyone free tonight? Anyone free tonight? So technically, you were asking. <laughs> yeah. Just the broad, general audience, just anyone on campus. So there was a podcast I listened to where they said that you should, everywhere you go, ask for a ten percent discount, and that'll like, help you ask? like collect rejections. Oh. Because I'll, you just say, "Hey, could I get ten percent off this?" Oh, you know, my my fiance did that. He went for like a week or two, just asking everyone for random stuff because I think he may have read the same thing you did, and he mm-hmm. he just would ask all sorts of things, not just the discount, but just to collect no's. And now he does not care. He'll ask anybody. He is very yeah. He's skinned. very like yeah. good about that, and I think it's good because it reinforces that for me. And he kind of was like, "Okay, just gotta keep going." Like, yeah. all right, you get rejected from. This I mean, thing. it's so good. It's so like. The funny thing is, though, I feel like I used to have much thicker skin to rejection, and then lately it's gotten much thinner. And I think part of that has to do with me, like, getting more experience and feeling a bit more entitled. But, like, people I'm pitching to don't give a fuck, like, how I feel or, like, what my... Honestly, I don't even think they care about what my experience is. They just, like, they take everything as it comes unless you have, like, a really big name behind what you're saying. So it's really just a crapshoot of... Mm -hmm. um, whatever but as they say it's a numbers game although that's what people say about like online dating also (laughs) i don't know that just sounds creepy though when you say it that way you know i have a friend who i it's also my dad always says well you picked a really competitive industry that's very subjective but my friend who just moved to denver is a chemical engineer and she told me she's applied to like more than 100 jobs and that's not even a competitive city and it it is a city that has a lot of engineering and a lot of like in such industry and she still has not gotten a job and even though i'm obviously sad for her rejections and what she's going through i am so happy that it is not just me choosing the wrong career which may be true but 
it's not isolated to yeah. yeah now that you bring that up like my whenever i get a rejection and the off chance like like i got a rejection from a show or something when i was visiting home in alabama and i was really upset about it and you know my mom was like i don't really understand why you're like in this type of career or whatever <laughs> and i'm like now that i think about it like that i probably applied to like hundreds of yeah. nutrition jobs that i've got i've really? not gotten or even heard back from and yeah. things that i've been like overqualified for so exactly. it's not yeah. you know it's not just there aren't any quote-unquote stable yeah. careers i mean it's not like back then where people stayed no. in their jobs for 30 years and yeah. retired with mm-hmm. a pension and whatever yeah so. Oh, oh totally. Nick, I want to ask you about, um, we talked a little bit about this off air. Like you have a podcast with Anna called 36 Questions. Yeah, my wife and I have a, a podcast called 36 Questions, which is based on a New York Times article that came out. It's the 36 questions that you ask to fall in love. So it's based on a psychological experiment mm-hmm. by a guy named Arthur Aaron. And he would get two strangers into a room, have them ask these 36 questions. It's supposed to develop intimacy, and during his, uh, during his uh, uh, interview or his, his interview, two people actually ended up getting married, and then inv- invited everyone else who was a part of the like as a result of the experiment. Yeah. So, do you take a different question each time and talk about it, or how does the what's the structure? Of it's the always the same thirty-six questions. So, our first season, we brought two strangers into a room and oh, they asked the same you're 36 questions. You're interviewing couples. Oh, you're doing right. the experiment. So, we're actually we're just doing the experiment. Yeah. So, Anna and I will sit back and we'll add a little bit here or there, but they're asking each other the 36 questions. Has, oh, that's so Have cool. any of them gotten married? No one's gotten married See, yet. See, I did it. We're getting married, but I don't remember <laughs> what the questions were at this point. I remember we were like sitting in a hookah bar and I was like, we're going to do this as soon as I saw it. I was like, we got to do it, this. How does it, what, what types of questions are they? So what's funny is a lot of the questions you wouldn't expect. There are a lot of questions about mortality. Uh, The reason why he does that is, for example, if you were to go on a date, the best date you could go on is where you feel like there's going to be some sort of fear. So it's like seeing a horror movie together or going on a roller coaster. Because when you feel like your mortality is in question. What about getting bombed in West Bank? Does that count? There. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a great date. That's uh, why people in our culture get like, married so <laughs> in a bomb shelter. You know, if your house was burning down, whose death would affect you the most in your family? Like these very like a little bit morbid mortality questions. I want to do this again now yeah. because I think we honestly, we probably got halfway through it and then got derailed or something or just kind of. Well, how do you know if you're a good match? Is it when like, how does the. Yeah, there's no point system. Like, how does the. I need the, to win. <laughs> so it's really tricky. That's what I'm So thinking. the first questions are very benign. So they're questions that I could just ask you. I've just met you. Yeah. It'd be something like, who would you most want to go to dinner with? Okay. Living or dead? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a very benign question. But by I the end go of these 36 questions, <laughs> I'd be asking you a question like, um, whose death in your family would affect you the most or mm-hmm. something? And that's not something you would ask a stranger normally. Yeah. My own. So it just builds up to like <laughs> very personal questions. Yeah. Like, you weren't asking sorry <laughs> i just look them up but i won't i won't spoil so it's, it it's more about um it's is it more that the 30 because i i when you first said it i thought it was a way of measuring compatibility but is it more a way of like growing in intimacy quicker it's much more like that okay so you cool. would if you ask these questions you just develop an intimate feeling i'm asking because i'm like do i want to take this risk with my boyfriend and find out that we're totally incompatible or is it gonna would you rather know? No. Well, how long have you been together? Like a year and a half. So I think what 
our, our second season was couples who did it. Yeah. And I feel like you would grow closer together. Okay, so it won't... <laughs> a lot of the questions you'll already know the answer to, um, mm-hmm. but some of them you'll be surprised. So. Interesting. And then when you do it... Sorry. Mm-hmm. I just need to know. When you do it, do you... Does, so you guys will say the question and then they'll discuss it and they'll both answer? Yes. I, we actually won't say the question. Okay, so won't. one person will ask the other person mm-hmm. and then they'll alternate. Oh, okay. Got it. Do you love me? I, what if, <laughs> have you ever gotten that? Someone like goes off script and they just want to find something out. <laughs> they haven't said that I love you yet. At the end of every 36 question, we're like, so are you in love? Like that, that would be our question for them. Wait, really? Yeah. And oh, what, what if, if they haven't say? had the talk? I mean, hopefully they have before agreeing to this. <laughs> well, I guess if they're, if they're strangers who have just met, it's kind of funny. You're yeah, just like, have you guys true. said, I love you? Yeah. Aww. Whoa. Whoa. That's really personal. personal. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a while ago, though. Because I'm also, I'm just like... like I feel like a year and a half. You, That's a good amount talk. of time to say that. No, I mean, I said it a long time ago. I'm like... Yeah. But I'm like a... What do you call it? Uh, we jumped into a way to saying I love you. I mean, I held off even though I felt it. I didn't say it for like the first few months. Well, I'm, I'm one of those people, though, that I say it to people on the street or like my friends or you've if I literally never said i love you to me <laughs> well we don't hang out enough when we're not doing important things but like if i get like if somebody gives me a coffee at like the barista whose job like, is to do you. so i'm like oh my god i love you you know like what? i'm one I'm, of those people i will only say if i really mean it and really? i it feels like something really heavy to me well, my, yeah, my family doesn't say it at all. Like, my family shows no affection. So I feel like at first I just started saying it out of, like, feeling, like, before I was in any relationship, it was just something to, like, I, I want to know, I want to know what it feels like to say this to somebody. <laughs> and then I just got used to it. And now I'm just like, words are meaningless. We're all going to die. <laughs> well, there's the, the languages of love, right? Everybody, like, expresses love in different ways. Sometimes it's action. Sometimes it's verbal. Mm-hmm. I still need to read that because I'm still unclear on which one I'm at. I think Have I you need all it? of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you taken the test? No. There's, like, a quiz. I, oh, I should do that. I should do that. There's a, buzz, a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> yeah. BuzzFeed quizzes. I took love the, um, I forget what it's called. It's like some doctor's name, sexuality quiz that tells you like where I'm Dr. Ruth? No. She's a Zionist. No. <laughs> but anyway. It was in the 90s and has a new show. No, it was a man anyway. and he was on You know what I'm talking history. about, right? The sex doctor. No, you who know, are you, you talking know? about? No. Of course I do. Okay, thank you. She's like an iconic like sex doctor from, she's 90. She's been doing this like her whole life. What is she Just on? look up Dr. Ruth. Okay, is she on TV? Dr. Ruth was a big deal like in the late 80s or early 80s. Oh, or... so when you okay, guys not were that in your old. 30s. I wasn't born in the early 80s. <laughs> the... But, and not yeah. that that's um, old. Sorry. No, it's do- Ken- I think it's the Kenzian sexuality scale. Ken- mm. That sounds right. I don't know. But I got, um, it said like unmeasurable. Like it, I didn't fall anywhere on the spectrum and I felt really weird about it. You were unmeasurable? Or like you were off the charts? <laughs> ne- like ne- neither of those implications. It was just like... You like um, no so, determination. So there's a doctor named Kinsey. So it's probably yes, based on Kinsey's. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The reason I know all this about Dr. Ruth is I went to a play in. Um, uh, it was like a one woman <coughs> show. What was the mom from that '70s show? She played her, the blonde. Oh, Kitty. I mean, I she remember. was Kitty on that '70s. Yeah, you know. What I'm t- yeah. So she played Dr. Ruth. I think her name is Mary Jo. Dr. Ruth, the sex doctor. Anyway. Um, and I never knew anything better other than that. And she reenacts the whole thing of like when she goes to Palestine and becomes a sniper for the Israeli army. And I was like, this oh is God. uncomfortable. <laughs> so, 
so uh, yeah, that's, that's how I know that. Um, unless that was made up, I don't think so. It was an auto. I was a biographical thing. But Nick, do you guys say "I love you" at home? <laughs> Not with your wife, obviously. I hope, but like well, in your family. My dad is very closed off, so he's only recently started saying "I love you." Yeah, I feel but like my dad, too, like, it's harder. It's harder. It's awkward. I would say when I was younger, I'd be like, love you, dad. And he'd be like, bye. <laughs> like, thank you. But it's yeah. cool that you still learned to say it, though. You learned yeah. to love. Well, my mother is, like, the polar opposite of him. Really? So she's, like, all about saying I love you to everyone. Yeah. Um, my mom, So too, that's why really I think funny. why they work. Yeah. So. Wow, I'm so, can I have both your moms? I say yeah. it to my younger sibling. I don't say it to really? my older siblings. I don't say it to my younger sibling ever. <laughs> I mean, we don't really talk that much. So you'll say it to your barista, but you won't say it to your brother. <laughs> I, it's true. Your flesh you and know blood. What? It is. Like, or I me. Won't. Do you just have something against me? I don't say it. Like, I, I throw it around like crazy, but not to my family ever. Because it's awkward now. It's like one yeah. of those things where we've well, just Well, you can't start so now. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird. Okay. Anyway. Well, so where can we find your work, Nick? Which work? Any of it. Anything. Found shows. I mean, your Twitter, I've said it like 300 times. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can find me online at nickjackpappas.com. N-I-C-K-J-A-C-K-P-A-P-P-A-S.com. Uh, my Twitter account is at happiness. It's like happiness with a P at the start. Awesome. Uh, and I would say most of the stuff that you'll find um, on my website. Um, awesome. Also, 36 questions is uh, 36qpodcast.com. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out, too. Thank you, Nick. We love you. Thank you. you. I'm excited to start this fight with my boyfriend based on your podcast. I hope I break you up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has left the building.